Hello and welcome to Coco Pods podcast. My name is Dr. Bola Sogade. This podcast is a feature of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. And we are fortunate to have with us today Dr. Cynthia Korn, a clinical psychologist in San Francisco. So hello and welcome Cynthia to Coco Pods podcast. I know we talked about apologizing within a relationship. Is the right thing to say what you are sorry for and explaining what you are talking about and even say as a second part of the apology in the future, I will dash, 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 fill in the blank with how you won't make the mistake again. You know, because you just don't want to say I'm sorry, but how should that really go? Yeah, I think people make a big deal about making a formal apology. I understand that. I think I can't really offer a prescriptive or or general rule for how to apologize to a partner. I think it really depends, though, a willingness to be vulnerable and open and to take responsibility for hurting or blaming your partner is, of course, very important. And what I would say is, letting your partner know that you've thought through what you did and that you would approach it differently and how is important. And then I would say, listen and be curious about your partner's perspective, which may include needing you to apologize in a certain way. So that's also part of it. So in general, couples do better when they are calm and they talk through their differences than, you know, to find out as much understanding of each other as possible. Perhaps, like you said, by returning to the issue post-conflict after they've had some time to reflect. And even though this does not always mean resolution, sometimes it just means exploring more deeply their differences and learning to accept and respect their disagreement or disappointment in each other on certain things. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that is what I'm saying. Exactly. There isn't always going to be a neat resolution. I think people have this idea that we can resolve all of our differences, and that's the goal. I think it's sometimes much more about exploring and learning more about the partner. I think we all start to believe that we know everything about our partners at a certain point. And I think what we don't realize is we can be curious and we can go deeper and things will come up that we didn't expect. It's important to respect our difference and to be curious and interested. And if we're disappointed, we can have an ongoing discussion about our disappointment and try to work through it together with the other partner. That happens. People do that. Or we talk about the disagreement over time. I think it's okay to say this, it doesn't have a time limit where we have to resolve it. And, you know, after they have both said sorry, does makeup intimacy work? especially if it's the last thing on the mind of one of the partners and one of them is not feeling it? How does that work? Oh, yes. I think for some partners, that's what feels like the way to make things better. And for others, it feels very antithetical to what they feel is the thing they want right then. 
I think many people feel I was just hurt by this person or I was attacked or I don't feel safe right now. So I don't feel close. So I think it's important to hear out your partner on these things and understand that they may not want the same degree of intimacy right away afterwards if you do, but that there can be some closeness. Maybe if you aren't going to have makeup sex, then maybe you can have some other form of intimate connection, like holding hands or watching something together or enjoying something together. I think it's very important to find intimacy and connection in other ways that aren't sexual. I think that helps couples immensely when they don't feel as trusting. And also on a daily basis, when one of them isn't as interested in being sexual, it can be a very good way to bond for both partners. You know, thank you so much. So at times some people feel very miserable after a fight. A lot of things have been said. Yes. I mean, how, how do they properly recover into the relationship? Well, I think they have to be allowed to talk about it, the feelings, in a calm way later, maybe after they lick their wounds a little bit. I think it takes time. Sometimes people really need to talk to someone else. And that's why individual therapy would be good if they're not in couple therapy. If they're in couple therapy, because one of them is more upset by repeated conflicts or hasn't been able to get over the feelings of sadness and disappointment, then it can be very helpful, even if the other one is not as focused on that. That's still a good reason to go to couple therapy. You know, we've been talking to Dr. Cynthia Korn. In closing, I just wanted to ask, good therapy can transform, leading to feeling more alive, being true to oneself. It's capable of alleviating suffering. It challenges old patterns of thinking, of relating, of behavior behind the distress. It gives people new perspectives, as you've said, and one can achieve goals. What closing thoughts or advice can you leave us with? And how could we reach psychologists in our areas for consultative relationship help? I think there are a couple of main ways to find someone in your area. I would go on Psychology Today, which is a directory and has photos and bios of clinicians in your state and also lists their specialties, talks a little about their work. You might be able to look then look them up and they may have an independent website and you may be able to make an appointment. You can find out what insurance they carry. You can also put in filters about what you're seeking, including their orientation, what their perspective is, whether they see couples, for example, what kind of couples work they do, what they're experienced with. If it's an example like of fertility issues or things like that, family planning, that you can find that there. I would also talk to, I mean, here's an example, your MD. <laughs> Often MDs will, you know, your doctor, your, your family physician or another physician you see for other things may be the best person to refer you to a, um, a clinician, maybe through a friend who you know loves their therapist. That's also a good thing or a family member. Those are like good ways to find someone. 
those are probably the best. Um, sometimes there are organizations in local ones that you can also, like the psychology organizations or, or psychiatry, whatever is there. If there's a psychoanalytic organization through a university, there may be a program where you can also find people. Cynthia, how about for older couples? There are couples out there that they feel, you know, I'm too old. This man or woman is setting his or her way. They're not going to change. What advice do you have for those kind of patients out there? Well, if they have Medicare, I think it's a wonderful idea to find a therapist who takes Medicare. It will be paid for by your Medicare policy. And people are wonderful therapists who often the people who take Medicare are some of the best because they love to work with older people and they're willing. And I have a few couples who are on Medicare who see me and they've made huge progress in their relationship for exactly the reason you brought up. They feel that it's hard to change these intransigent patterns. They don't know if they can. They worry that they're too rigid now and they're set in their ways and they don't connect anymore or they never did very well. And it turns out that they are able to have a better relationship after they see me for often, you know, 10 sessions or so. And usually they stay because now it's paid for and they get help. And then they get help also with facing the difficulties of aging, which I'm dealing with with both of the couples I'm talking about, where one of them has many medical issues and the other one has different ones. And they're probably going to see me for many years while they get older and go through all of these difficulties. And that's fine. That's what it's for. I just want to thank you, Dr. Cynthia Cohn, my friend Cynthia. Thank you so much. You have shared a lot of invaluable information that, you know, I'm hoping that with this podcast, we can share with women. They can listen. They can ask questions. They can reach out to the appropriate resources for help. And so I just want to thank you for, for joining us from the San Francisco Bay Area on CocoaPods podcast today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Bola. It was great to be here with you. It was like I was in a counseling session myself, you know. Did you and, uh, did it did it help you understand a little how it works? Oh yes. Oh, I was yes. trying to like make it really simple and clear that that's what you do and this is how Oh it yes. Works. Oh yes, okay. because we refer patients to counselors, you know, locally, and um, it gives me even a better understanding because so, more, so many times I'm helpless. You know, when the women come, they are crying. I see the pain and the suffering, and I don't know really the right way to channel them. Well, so this has been, right. yeah, this educated even me, and I've done this. I've been a doctor for over three decades. And I, I know this therapy thing is new. I mean, relatively on the overall scheme of things. I mean, because way back then, when I was finishing medical school, you didn't yeah, go to therapy. Into that. Yeah, people yeah, didn't they, think. Yeah. yeah, women just lived in their shame, you know, and they didn't have right. anybody to talk to. So Yeah, no, it's really changed in terms yeah. of the openness to treating it as, like in California, all the young people, they treat yeah. it as like, everyone goes to therapy. That's what Yeah, yeah, you're not... 
you know, be, you know, back in my generation it was like, oh, she's crazy. No, yeah, right there's now, a stigma. There's no yes, stigma. There's it. no, in fact, now you are crazy not to do it, you know? No, you know I think that's right. And that's kind of why I said, if you don't yeah. wait too long to go. For yeah. Coffee, that's what I always say. That's the best. Honestly, you know, it's just the information. It's going to help people. It's just the information. Do you, re- you realize that people there can just find anyone in the state. They can find anyone, yeah. But at times they don't know it's underutilized, especially yeah, in right. the older people. The young people are yeah. using it, but okay, the, the, the yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The older people, so. yeah. I have some older people. I didn't mention that. I see some um, Medicare patients, and they're really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they need I to see utilize. Couples. I have some couples in their sixties and seventies. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That. You know, people should use it and not see it as, you know, life is gone. What, what, how can this person change? They're already set in their ways. Well, and they can use their, if they have Medicare, they have an amazing chance to use it. 